head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 266. Clickety click of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. the scorecard god. Shawnee Podcasts, The Pod God, joined today by Andy Stevenson to talk about some of the fights from the weekend. Andrew, how are you? Fine day for Good afternoon, Sean. I'm uh, a bit hungover, but apart from that, it's all good. I didn't know you were the, the scorecard god now. Yeah, when, yeah, back, yeah. when did that happen? It it just, you know, it happened. Someone actually called me last night. I think it was Dan Mack, a friend of the podcast. He called me um, the ratings god as well because they keep putting me on the ESPN broadcast and stuff, obviously looking for... Uh, you know, a spike in ratings. Um, and it seems to be working for him. Dave Meltzer reporting that, like, at the, the exact second my tweet comes on, the ratings just spike. So, huge. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you're, you're you're starting a cult here. The, the Church of Sheenology. Sheen Nation. Do you, did, I don't know. It's a long time ago, but I used to call Chael Sonnen Sonnenology because, like, he used to just say shit. And people who would believe he still does it like, but I don't think it's as bad now. But people used to just believe every word he said. That's what that's what I need. Sheentology. That's yeah, that's good. Yeah, bit of bit Get of a nice tax break for that. Yeah, <laughs> God, don't don't mention tax. Uh, well, how was the how was the lockdown going for you? Like I was just looking at I I shaved the other day for the first time in lockdown and it was just gone mad. And now I look like a complete fucking idiot because my I've just long hair. And then I've like a normal sized beard, and I look like the top of my head is different from the bottom of my head. How are, how are you getting on? Uh, sure, it's down? probably an improvement. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fairly bad in Vernon's so house. Yeah, I know I'm getting on grand. I got a uh, my missus gave me a haircut there about two or three weeks ago, so looking a bit more respectable these days. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of you kind of forget that you're in lockdown. Or it's not really a lockdown anymore, anyway. There's all these made up rules that they're just kind of making up as they go along. Yeah. And it's all grand. I love the we're just pretending did. it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, I love the way they did like this. We're going to do this five step thing. Then the first step in, they change all the rules for the rest of them. They did the exact same for the, the second one. And now they're doing it again. It's like, all oh, right, stop. I, I can't and you, can, you can have what, 100 people indoors, but yeah. uh, you, you have to book into a pub and spend nine euro on, on sandwiches. Oh, I like, I imagine that that'd be the perfect. Uh, drinking session right so you go in you have a dinner before you start right lay the foundations for the drinking session then you have the same uh, seat for the whole time and they bring drinks over to you and all you have to stay there for 90 minutes then you have another pub booked for the next 90 minutes uh, that's and it now- it's basically going to be like a, a classy <laughs> version of 12 pubs at Christmas yeah it's going to be class like, I hope this stays I don't want the runner to go at all the drinking sessions are it's like it's like if the Spanish uh, took on 12 pubs at Christmas <laughs> bit of tapas here and there or, or anyone who isn't fucking drunkards like the Irish <laughs> yeah I know I've never never drank myself no me neither no <laughs> stay away from that Incre- incredible 
incredibly hungover. Uh, and I was watching the True Balls fucking live stream the other day. I was just sinking cans for fucking two hours. So it was. Uh, uh, there's nothing better though, the, like the first sip of like when you're you're anticipating a nice mm-hmm. session, and then the first sip of a can. Oh, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Or, or I'm pretty sure that's how alcoholism starts, but not at all. It's just I've been Irish. There's not. <laughs> there's no such thing. <laughs> sure, if you got a bit of crack, sure, what can you have? I'm uh, sure it'll be grand. Um, right, I suppose we better talk about a bit of MMA. You, I didn't actually manage to get to watch the fights last night from the the Irish point of view. We'll get to the obviously the UFC in a second, but a couple of Irish lads fought last night. Will Flory, give us a report. What what happened in the two of those fights? Yeah, so so I only actually saw the Will Flurry fight okay. um, on that card, but I need to catch up on the other ones. But um, yeah, Will Flurry was in action. Uh, Nikolai Grozdev and Matthews uh, Piscors, all from SBG. Mm-hmm. So uh, Will Flurry lost in the first round via head and arm choke. So it was it was a tough fight for Will. He he was kind of moved up. It was a catchweight of it was really weird. Like it was a I think it was ninety kilo catchweight or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was the the light heavyweight title was on the line. Um, and Will Flurry obviously had a, a one-fight release in Bellator, so I'm not, even if he had a one, I'm not sure how that would have worked because uh, he probably would have just vacated it immediately because um, he'd, he'd be going straight back to Bellator. But it kind of... The, I, I think the weight um, affected Will, but also it, it just looked like Rosansky. He just seemed kind of like the the bigger, stronger fighter. And I think that Will kind of struggled where normally he'd, he'd do a lot of kind of cage work and, and take it to the mat and then kind of look for submissions and stuff from there mm-hmm. he just didn't seem to be able to get that takedown I think he got one maybe maybe two total but it kind of um, Rosansky kind of quickly got out of it um, but yeah like he got caught a couple of times on, on the feet um, Rosansky has kind of really nice elbows in the clinch as well and he, he was kind of landing a few shots so um, there was one point I think Fleury um, tried or he attempted a head kick and Rosansky kind of landed some heavy shots immediately off that and then the similar one um, Flurry went for a head kick and then I think Rosansky countered by uh, getting a takedown immediately and then going for leg locks and stuff but mm-hmm. it just kind of looked like uh, I don't want to say like a big brother fighting a little brother but it was a little bit like that and I, I spoke to Will since the fight and obviously he's, um, he's not happy with how it went or anything but I think what he was really saying to me and, and I asked Will if it was okay to share this obviously but um, he was saying basically that it felt like he was a 14 year old trying to beat up an adult is how he described it so that's that's not great when you have when you're facing that and and i think he kind of he, he, he admitted that he was kind of the he was beaten by the better fighter yeah as well like moving up to kind of a weight class above while not having the full yeah preparation to it. like we talked about that so many times before even if it's a short notice thing like you know like, like even say like the max holloway dustin poirier thing and obviously it's a different sort of level, but like you see how Max Holloway struggle, and maybe if he got another while to do it, it could be better for him. Like Will's a, a big guy. Like I think he's good at the weight class, but he cuts a fair bit of weight to get down to uh, to one eighty five. But yeah, like on sh- that's very difficult on short notice. Well, and this was like the shortest of short notice. Yeah, well. it was wild, and they didn't even yeah. know it was originally supposed to be in Berlin, and then it was changed. And there was talks. Um, the promoter was saying it could potentially have been in Poland, and then it ended up being um, in I can't even remember the. the name of the town in germany mm-hmm. uh, but it was somewhere further south um but yes like uh, will did say as well like he was saying that it was a bit kind of it was a bit cocky to think he could just go up to a, the higher weight class without having done any proper training to adapt to it and also he did mention that the lack of uh, sparring training he said he really affected him and he felt sloppy out there and that it showed in the fight um that he just didn't have he wasn't prepared essentially is, is what he said yeah um, but not not for not through lack of trying but 
like this is what happens when we're in a kind of pandemic and gyms aren't open and you don't have your usual sparring partners you like you might lose an edge or something like that or um so i'd say it's quite difficult but obviously everyone's in the same boat preparing for this i don't know are they in the same boat though because like it seems like people uh, definitely the Irish teams. I haven't heard. Maybe there was some that I haven't heard of. But like Team Rhino, SBG weren't up, and like the you know I've seen them on Facebook and Twitter and stuff saying when they're getting back. And you know they've, maybe they've got, gotten back recently, but uh, they haven't been. Like everything has been shut down. I'm sure the other gyms have been too. Like if you look at say America, that has not been the case at all. Like I spoke to Douglas Lima, who's training over in America, and he was saying like oh, I was sparring the whole time and everything. Like and it seems everyone. Yeah, fair point. I suppose it depends on the country and the, the approach and what they're letting them let them do and get away with. I guess or people just don't give. Some people just don't give a fuck and they'll just ignore the yeah. the advice anyway and just continue training and just keep it hush hush. Yeah, that'd be something like fighters coming back now probably should be con- cognizant of. Like, there's talks of you know all the Irish fighters are kind of saying oh, October in Dublin, but like. I don't know if that's realistic. Maybe it is. Hopefully it is. Like, it, yeah, Graham Boylan's been teasing out some stuff for Cage yeah. Warriors as well. And they said in the UFC broadcast last night, July, Cage Warriors and, and Invicta and all of them are coming back. Now, I don't know if that's if they're starting to come back in July or if they're all coming back in July. So it might be a little bit uh, later. But interesting. Yeah, like, I feel like in Ireland especially, uh, like I saw um, um, Cage Legacy roundabout putting on an event as well. Like, I feel in Ireland we, you kind of could do it now. Like, we're in, we're in a pretty good position. You know, I've been a very... I mean, a very much a staunch defender of the lockdowns and the run and stuff. And I think we actually should have gone further and probably would have been better. But anyway, but I feel like we're in a position now where we, like, you could probably safely do those things now. It's going to be very, like, it'll be very expensive for someone like the Cage Legacy to do and things. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting time to see how events do come back. And I suppose in two or three months' time, hopefully it'll be even better where, you know, there's there's less stress about it but could there be a second wave and on you know i suppose that's uh that's a discussion for another day so uh yeah unfortunately we'll probably lost anyway but it's like i said it the other day as well it's you know obviously bellator all the irish fighters in bellator now basically you know a few obviously in cage warriors as well but like cage warriors shut down bellator shut down uh and there has been no irish fighter in the ufc since conor mcgregor in the 18th of january so the different you know uh, joseph duffy which we'll get to in a few minutes is fighting on the 18th of july so six months between irish people in the ufc and all the irish fighters in bellator haven't been able to fight it's been like a barren barren time for irish i may win uh, you know myself and you probably talked about myself and graham talked about it a couple of jesus months ago at this stage uh that like oh this is going to be uh, you know this is kind of the comeback for Irish MMA you know everyone was talking about it with you know obviously after the death of Joe Carvalho and not being able to put on events and everything like that you know Cage Warriors had come back all of the guys were kind of you know uh, Peter Queeley had a huge fight booked in Bellator James Gallagher was on his way up you know McGregor was back fighting now Joseph Duffy is back fighting again but like it's all kind of been slowed down a little bit and uh you know, hopefully they can get back, and hopefully this fucking pandemic will go away, so we can all uh, we can all get back to normal. But, however, yeah, just as a quick update, I suppose on Irish MMA there, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll and then just just on the other two uh, SBG fighters, on the actually gave the results. So, um, Nikolai Grozdev won by guillotine choke in the, in the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually had a, a point taken away. It was really bizarre. 
Um, I did see uh, kind of portions of that fight. He like he was just it seemed like a normal takedown, and and then he was kind of kind of given a warning by the ref, and then he did a, uh, landed another takedown, and then the ref just took a point. So I'm not really sure why that was the case, but it was very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got the he got the just the finish in the end, and then Matthews Piscors, um, probably butchering that name, he won. Uh, he said he was uh, his opponent was disqualified, and I think there was a, a bit of a brawl afterwards. Oh, really? Um, he was kind of knee the head of a ground opponent, and and that was it. Um, that was in the first round, so it was a bit bizarre. Um, yeah, I saw Sean Denny was tweeting out. I know he was watching, um, and I, yeah, I think there was a bit of a brawl between the two teams after, and Will Ferry was uh, trying to break it up and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, a bit bizarre. But yeah. sure, these ha- these things happen in MMA. They do. They do. They indeed they do. Yeah, and uh, then at the top of the card, uh, Mihail Matura uh, oh, yeah, defeated. Did he win, did he? Yeah, he, he beat um, uh, Wilhelm Ott. Um, in the first round, but it yeah. wasn't his. Uh, weren't they calling him Willie Ott? <laughs> so like, yeah. All right, calm down. Right, let's get on to the, the UFC anyway. Uh, wait, let's talk about the first fight in the card first because this uh, Austin Hubbard Mac Max Roshkoff fight. So Roshkoff came out and was look good in the first round. You know, everyone talks about being about him being this jujitsu guy, and he was doing well on the feet. You know, landing a few shots, and then almost got a submission a couple of times. Did a good job of getting his ground. Like I was very impressed with. Yeah, he's kind of in between bits in the second round you could see oh, look he took this fighting short notice and it's it's going to be difficult and you're only five fights in and like the one thing i i noticed in the middle part of this second round was or the start of it maybe even was it's like experience is a big thing you know we you know we're just talking about irish fighters there and we see irish fighters coming up you know haven't seen the likes of james goller Kiefer crosby you know fighting in amateurs and coming up to now being 10 fights in or whatever they are you can kind of see that development of fighters coming up and we see it even in the UFC with likes of Max Holloway and you know other fighters all over the world as well you could see it with Roshkoff here that he just five fights in this is his sixth fight and all of them had uh, finished I think four in the first round and one in the second round it just wasn't there and he he kind of fell behind at one stage and he couldn't get it back he didn't have he didn't have the, I just think the experience and maybe the, the the toughness yet that you develop over years of fighting and years of battles to come back. Uh, and he just got beaten down badly towards the end of that round. You could see, sorry, you could see, I, like I was watching, I was like, oh, this could be a standing stoppage. And then the round ended. So he, he survived towards the end of the round. Like, and let's put it like, let's be fair now here if he had said, if he hadn't, right, so if he just sat in the, 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 the uh, the stool between rounds and his corner had given him advice and he said nothing and they send him back out like i don't think anyone maybe a couple of people would and probably would have been grand but i don't think people would have been calling for it to be stopped but the fact that he himself came out and said i'm done you know and he said it repeatedly over and over and over he said the same phrase over and over and over that he was finished he didn't want to continue and his corner just kept pushing him robert droidzell it was he came out and spoke to ariel afterwards and said he stands by it uh, and that he was just trying to motivate his fighter to keep going um which like is i think just totally and utterly the wrong message like if your fighter is done and they're saying they're willing to quit like if your fighter he's basically verbally tapping out there and he did it again a second later to to the referee that's the time to pull out your fighter like no if if you're cornering someone in the ufc and you're in that sort of position Right, okay, motivate someone to keep going if they're down, if their head's down or whatever, you know, if they're after losing a round or they just got badly hurt towards the end of the round, something fair enough. Like, I'm not saying oh, anyone who complains or anything should be just immediately pulled out. But this guy said it over and over and over and over again. He did not want to listen to one thing his corner said. He had enough, he had finished. And after he had taken 
a good beating towards the end of that second round. Like, and we'll add the bit as well that he doesn't have the experience and he's only six fight into his career. Like, why would you send him out to get more of a beating anyway if he's given up? Like, if your fighter has given up and he just stands there and just takes a beating, like, what's that going to do? How is that going to benefit him? You know, he's losing that fight anyway. So, like, for the corner man then to come out again and say he stands by it. And, like, I, I understand what he was trying to do, but you try to do that w- w- through him saying I'm going to quit once or maybe twice. But when he says it eight times, yeah. no. I think it was, I, I counted 12 times he yeah. said call it. And, like, that, it's just, it's really, really bad. Like, the decision was already, like, he didn't, it wasn't like he was hesitating. Like, it wasn't the case that mm-hmm. the corner men are trying to motivate him and he's saying, oh, I don't know if I can do it and kind of like putting it out there. But then, and that's a moment where corners are like, no, no, you can do it, like push forward or whatever. And maybe they just need a bit of motivation. But like his decision was, his mind was already made up. And um, by the time like he, he started, the very start of the conversation, he just said like, that's it, I'm done, call it, call it, call it. And like every time there was pushback, call it, call it. So you have to listen to your fighter. Like I understand the case of, oh, like, his, and I saw it, Dan Hooker coming out and kind of mocking him and stuff, but like, as you said, five. He's like five and zero. Oh, like, look at it. Look at and say in Irish MMA, the lads who are five and zero oh, getting thrust into a UFC fight like that, and and if they're out of their depth and, and they're done, like it kind of that fight really reminded me of the saying, and I don't mean this to to take away from Max Roscoff, but like everyone's a fighter until they get punched in the face and that's what it seemed like so like he looked fantastic in that first round but then once Hubbard started landing some clean shots on him the, the entire fight changed and it was all there was no output from Roscoff anymore um, like he looked fantastic in the first round he looked, he was switching stances he was he, uh, throwing big leg kicks he had uh, great jiu-jitsu he had that kind of head kick into like a leg lock entry like he looked like he had a, a very a variety of attacks and, and, and a, he looks like a really good fighter and I think it was actually the most intelligent thing he did in the fight was, was stopping it if he knew he was done because there's no point you're five fights in you're getting paid fuck all mm-hmm. now you probably won't get a shot again in the UFC but I mean I don't know I, like I think the thing about it is right you know you said everyone's a fighter until they get punched in the face yeah that's that that's fair enough but like if uh, any fighter in the world I, I bet you like who oh, name someone uh, I don't know Con- Conor McGregor if he got punched in the face when he was fucking 17 and someone beat the gentleman before he'd ever tried mean, maybe not maybe because he was boxing but anyway let's say someone I don't know Rory McDonald I don't think he started till he was later so let's say he was you know or when he started he was, I don't know I'm any example so like some before <laughs> before they become like an experienced fighter right before they come become this an experienced very good fighter there is a like there is a period before you become that where you haven't developed this ability to take damage and go through wars you know there there is that experience that you have to get it, like i wouldn't say that this guy is not a fighter like i wouldn't say that this guy no is, no i didn't no, mean I, like I know that, you yeah. don't mean that but some people are saying that and dana white afterwards coming out saying you know this is what we get and they promised us he's going to be the future of the sport and then he kind of backtracked in it right because i think he realized what he was said and he was afraid of this media he called soft the whole time going on about him and they fucking should because he's a disgrace but anyway like there's a and there's a, this is a bigger debate than than Roshkoff and anything like this in terms of like training and developing athletes for MMA because MMA right MMA uh, Dana White came out this week and said this is <laughs> here they come here they go here they go but Dana White came out this week and said that there's this is an opportunity and not um not a career not a sport like if you look at it like that and you're a fighter you're going about it the f- the wrong way but you have to do it in an intelligent way as well like there is something to be said for the shooter box style of hard sparring and developing a fucking a toughness that'll get you through everything 
but that will only get you so far like you have to be intelligent about it as well and bring it through to you like someone like Rashkov now right so he, you see what happened to him last night he hasn't developed that ability to absorb damage and survive in a fucking firefight and even like that wasn't as much of a firefight he took a lot of damage and stuff but I feel like if you get into training and you if you have more hard sparring and up the level like that and put yourself into that fire or your your trainers your coaches put yourself into that fire a little bit more and you get it in fights as well and you experience it that is what brings you forward and, yeah. my, and my point earlier on about like young fighters it, you know you're a fighter until you get punched in the face like you're not that that's bullshit if you're inexperienced. Like, yeah, I think I think it's the composure. So, like when you when you receive that level of damage, that you can still have your full arsenal of attacks yeah. uh, at your disposal, and it, they just seem to like, like he he was throwing everything, and then once he started uh, absorbing that damage, everything just fell apart, and he wasn't throwing anything, and it seemed like he just didn't really know what to do. Yeah, it was it was definitely an experience more than anything else. I think so. Like it's, I hope he gets another shot. But the way they like maybe they should put him into the Dana White Contender Series. That's where he was supposed to fight, and I know that'll be like a drop down of money and stuff as well. But like it feels like he's not going to get another shot in the UFC but it could be like a good redemption story if they did put him into the Dana White contender series and give him a bit of a development deal or something like that but um, yeah look it's it's unfortunate a good win for Austin Hubbard as well we must, uh, we must mention that um, so yeah this Lauren Murphy Roxanne met a fairy fight which was buried in on the fucking Facebook prelims um I thought it was a, you know, it wasn't a great fight, but it was, it was a good fight for the division. Lauren Murphy probably puts herself in pole position here to be the next title contender. Maybe, maybe Calvillo as well. But um, Lauren Murphy just a little bit better all round. One, uh, you know, one, two to three rounds. The first round and the third round were relatively close, but all throughout it, I think Lauren Murphy was uh, was landing the the better shots. She was just the more effective striker throughout it all. There was one bit of uh, bisping bullshit where he called, I think it was the end of the <laughs> second round, uh, a late takedown, snatches the round. I'm like, mm, no, she was beating the shit out of her for, for the whole thing. So I'm like, no, that's that's not happening. But yeah, good, like a good win for Lauren Murphy. I thought she... Uh, I thought she did well. Like this division is just the fact that the two of these are being talked about as a number one contender. It just shows the weakness of the division, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not not great. Like I think we all kind of know what to expect with Roxanne Mataferi. Like she's improved over the years, but and she still is kind of improving. But um, she's never going to get to that that title level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to happen. And I think like last night kind of showed like obviously she's a great grappler and stuff but specifically in last night's fight when they look and say okay she's pushing up pushing Murphy up against the fence and all but it's, it was almost the definition of ineffective grappling because yeah. she wasn't really doing anything with it like okay maybe she had a bit of control but that was about it and Murphy just picked her off the I think the interesting thing as well with uh, some of these contenders coming through like Calvillo last week and Murphy this week they're all like you know, Calvillo may be a little bit differently, but they're all like good or developing strikers in Calvillo's case who, okay, have a bit of a ground game, but have good takedown defense and like win, will win fights in the feet because they have a little bit of better technique. This is exactly what happened in this fight with Lauren Murphy. But then you have Valentina Shishinko at the top <laughs> of the game and like that's absolutely useless against her. So like what gets you to a title shot is what will probably lose you a title shot as well in that division. So... It's uh, it's interesting, but like that seems like I'm being very negative, taking away from Lauren Murphy. Yeah. Take, take Who would you give Murphy next? 
Shevchenko, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> like, mm, well, well, she's scheduled already for to, to fight Jojo Calderwood, and then you would assume Calvillo, maybe like uh, Catelyn Chikagan or someone like that. Yeah, maybe. Is that Calderwood fight back on? I thought, was that in Calderwood because Shevchenko was injured, but it's probably back on now. I think it's, it? I think it's back on. I'll have yeah. to double check that. Maybe, maybe give her Calvillo then, because Calvillo put herself in that spot as well and make it a genuine number one contender fight. So. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good fight. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that makes sense. Yeah. Um, after that, then, Justin James got a good TKO win over Frank Camacho. I actually went out to get a can of Coke Zero, came back, and the fight was over. I was like, what the fuck's that? What a man, here? Justin James is. Yeah. Some, some debut. Yeah, he was uh, the, the bad boy, Justin James. So, yeah, that was pretty good. Jillian uh, Robertson got uh, a third round, last 30 seconds, rear naked choke uh, over Courtney Casey. I, I always like Jillian Robertson. I think she's a good fighter. I think Courtney Casey's a good fighter as well. So, you know, that's uh, that's another fight in the 125-pound division that, uh, you know, puts you maybe not up there, but maybe towards the, the mix anyway. Um, Barriot and Pachetta... They had, that had a, that was a fight that happened. Uh, Tisha Torres then got a good win. I thought she was impressive. I, I always have a soft spot for Tisha Torres, and you know, she, someone actually asked the question: Should they bring in the atom weight division? Like you look at the likes of Tisha Torres, and you look at the likes of Michelle Waterson. Like you could build an atom weight division. Okay, there isn't enough divisions there at the moment, but I think an atom weight division would be a lot better than a flyweight division because you've a lot of small women in that division, uh, strawweight as it is, that could easily get down to one hundred five and have fought there before in uh, Michelle Waterson's uh, case and. It's, uh, like it's yeah. Just, I think I think down like when you look at women's MMA in the UFC, the one fifteen division is the one that's always spoken about, um, and it's because you have that kind of strength yeah. and depth there. And I think if you if you had brought in the atomweight division, okay, it'd be great for the, the few fighters who would benefit from it, but it would probably detract from the the strawweight division. And like that's they need to to continue to build on that and and build their other divisions uh, that they already have. Uh, to the level of the 115 division yeah i was actually thinking during this fight as well and maybe it's a it's a point for a, another full podcast or something but um mma in general over the last while and i was kind of talking about this last week on the on the q a and maybe finding ways of of changing this but it's become more uh predictable over the last few years and more you know there's less knockouts less submissions more decisions all the time and you know I can't, that kind of came up because of the smaller cage but Women's MMA, especially at the, the lighter weight divisions, uh, you know, 115, 105, is obviously going to have more um, decisions than the other weight classes just simply because they don't have as much knockout power because they don't have as much mass behind the punches and stuff. And we, we've seen women's MMA, I think, taking huge strides, obviously, since Ronda Rousey came into the UFC. And it's still a li- little bit behind, a good bit behind men's MMA, but it's accelerating faster than men's MMA ever has, I think. Um, and as that happens we're going to get to a case where there is even more decisions and that could that's that could be a very interesting point which we which we meet where there's a high 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 percentage of decisions where there already is but as it becomes more even i don't know if that's a good thing for women's mma in general and mma in general uh, men and women because MMA, a lot of it's about entertainment. You know, I talk about it's sports entertainment as much as it's like it's like real WWE rather than WWE's fake MMA. You know, um, and I think that could be a, I think that could be a big problem for M- women's MMA over the next while and MMA in general as well. But I don't know why you came. Yeah, up, they uh, not stick every women's MMA fight into the smaller cage from now on. Yeah, they should. <laughs> Actually, we'll, we'll get it in a while. But I think someone said Stipe always wants to fight in the bigger cage, and it's. Dana White said last night they're going to be fighting the UFC Apex himself and Daniel Cormier. So it'd be interesting to see whether they change the cage out. It's um, absolutely absurd that there's different cages though. Like, could you imagine uh, like a soccer match or something? We're like, oh, we're going to play in a, a much smaller pitch or uh, maybe that's a bad example, but 
I think it's ridiculous that this there isn't like one size fits all. Yeah, well, it's a bit different to MMA anyway because like everyone comes from somewhere where you can't use an octagon. Well, I think cage warriors can use it because they're with UFC. Can they? maybe I'm going mad, but like Bellator have a round cage and other people have square cages and fucking decagons and every sort oh, of thing. Well, so. don't, don't come at me with your facts here, yeah. Sean. <laughs> it's, MMA is a bit different, but uh, yeah, I, I like I I tend to agree, but. I'd nearly fuck away the bigger cage altogether. I like I I would I and I would have been the opposite before. Are you moving ice there around or what the fuck are you doing? I'm having a sip and a glass of water. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <laughs> You're worse than Graham when he's uh um. Watch he's what grinding uh, with herbs, <laughs> grinding, grinding herbs, herbs yeah. for his uh, for his dinner, <laughs> making some time, you know. Yeah. But uh, what was I talking about? I can't even remember what I was talking about. What was smaller talking cage. About? Smaller cage. Yeah, yeah. I think we should keep the smaller cage because of the fact I was just talking about that fights are going to a decision more. Um. And that might help them not. Yeah, you get you get fights like Camacho and versus Jane's where they just throw bombs at each other for thirty seconds and someone gets knocked out. Yeah, I thought Michael Bisbee made a great point. I, it wasn't that fight, wasn't it? Where this guy comes in and it's a one hundred and fifty eight pound catchweight, took it on short notice, and uh, he's just like this guy's obviously not going to have the amount of cardio necessary to uh, to go full fifty minutes. So it just goes balls out and tries to knock him out, which is probably a probably a good way. What did you think of the? I know you didn't yeah. watch it all live, but what Ele- did you- eleven of his. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, no, I saying 11 of James' wins are all in the first round as well. Oh, I like that. That's my, he's my sort of fighter. Be on Team Sheen. What did you think of the commentary last night? Michael Bisping, John Anik, and Dominic Cruz. Um, so I kind of watched it in, in spurts, so I didn't really get a full um, perspe- uh, perspective of it. But I don't, I don't know. I don't really like Bisping and Cruz together. They get very antsy uh, at each other and they, they're uh, fighting like two little brothers or something. And yeah. um, at one point, it was like uh, it was. I think it was in the main event. Blades had um, Volkov up against the fence. Bisping was like, "Oh, it's a bit of a stalemate here," and. Chris is just like I completely disagree with you. You're yeah. absolutely wrong. <laughs> I like that. Though. It's like funny, that. but it's also just like, geez, this has been awkward. Oh, but it's I think it's way worse when lads are like Carmier and uh, you know uh, Daniel Schaub and and. Um, Daniel Schaub yeah Daniel Who's Schaub that? and Joe Rogan like just agreeing with each other and laughing the whole time I'm like we're getting nothing out of that like if we get a bit of a difference or a bit of a discussion on what's actually going on I think that benefits people way more like, like yeah. I, I, I taught and um, Zach Candido the UFC producer said last night this is the first time they actually ever called the card together which was a surprise but I it, it it sounded like the first time they ever called the card together. Like, I agree with what, exactly what you said there, but I kind of like that. I feel like if they were given a few more cards together, they could get a lot better, but it was a bit clunky for the first time. Um, yeah, these things take time, especially when there's yeah. three in the boots as well. Yeah, I don't, like... I don't think the UFC have found their best way. Like, the, the, my biggest issue with commentary is obviously the judging commentary because none of them have a clue. Like, John Hannick has a clue. He knows, but he kind of comes up with his own ideas at times too and he doesn't check bullshit, which... I, I don't like like I feel if like if he did that and maybe that's not his job and it isn't his job in fairness but when there's no one else who understands judging there mm-hmm. it's it's hard to listen to him, like fucking just tell him like like Bisping saying the late take down coming but that's maybe just a personal thing but I'm sure uh, Dane will be calling you next week Sean to jump in there yeah do you, but then <laughs> like they need do you know the way they have Trevor Whitman as like the fifth man or the fourth man or whatever it is why don't they get yeah. a judge there like that would be absolutely fucking brilliant to have a judge right there I'm sure any judge of the world will be like yeah I'll 
I'll uh, I'll stop taking this fucking three hundred and fifty quid to, <laughs> to judge a card, and you pay me instead to sit there and watch fights every night. Yeah, every like night when you listen to Bellator and you hear Big John, obviously he's not a judge, but yeah. a former referee and Big John McCarthy speaking, like he brings a lot to the table. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of his, his commentary style, but um, he does make some great points and, and provide insight into the refereeing uh, perspective. So it'd be good to get a similar um, person for the role of a judge. I agree, hundred percent. Like, and the thing about UFC commentary is, like, I like Bisping, although that you know. Okay, I'll take away the proviso for all of them that they haven't the clue about judging. But I like Bisping. I think he brings the fun to it. Uh, and he brings, like, technical analysis as well. And he gets, like, really into, like, what's actually happening in the fight, which I love. Like, Joe Rogan has lost out in that. If he was doing that, when we get to the Burgos Emmett fight uh, in a second, but if he was doing that fight, all he would talk about is the leg gigs and nothing else. And that is the worst type of commentary you can do where someone just gets clued in on an idea and they never let it go and they don't look at what's actually happening in the fight like I, I think I like Rogan's funniness and his you know the jokes he makes the odd time when he's not with Carmia and when it doesn't go on all night I love when he's with Cruz because Cruz kind of goes back at him but I don't think they've found the right balance yet I think Carmia by himself is very good I think um Bisping by himself is very good. I rather cruise with someone else, with a Rogan, and I think he could get better with Bisping as well. I think Rogan and DC are absolutely horrendous together. I like Felder as well. He's very good. Dan Hardy should get more as well. So, like, all in all, I think they're... Their commentary is very good. Like John Gooden is very good. Brendan Fitzgerald is yeah. very good. John Anik is this, very good. So this is gonna be a stupid question, but how does the the roles work again when there's three? So obviously John Anik's the play by play, and then yeah, the other two they, they kind both, of just, they're both just color commentary. Yeah, they kind of. Or is there any any specified role? I, I maybe there is between them. It's like okay, you take you know take the lead in this fight and then i'll kind of pop in with things but i don't think so yeah. really last night it felt like bisping was kind of taking the lead in most of them but maybe just i don't know if that's a planting or not maybe it'd be an, an interesting thing to ask yeah, about, I, li- uh, I like bisping and dc together yeah uh, yeah i don't know i can't remember maybe yeah because like bisping wouldn't take his bullshit like i i i like dc by himself but with anyone mm. else not i just he's too he tries to be too nice like it's so fake with dc i think i just i don't i don't know he's i don't like him in the commentary box at all i don't like i don't think he brings good technical analysis either it's just like a lot of it some sometimes for the wrestling he does i'll, I'll grant him that but like a lot of the times as well it's just like this is what i, I do more, in this situation. more the person, his personality that he brings yeah it is uh right let's move on anyway with the rest of this card bobby green clay guida um good fight you know bobby green <laughs> did bobby green things clay guida almost caught him a, a couple of times but um he landed the clean harder cleaner shots guida pushing him against the cage like that's not going to win you uh, rounds in 2020 you know we talk about judging and enough for people listening to this podcast to know it's not shit as dana white and all these people would make out so you know probably Green's i was going to win that uh jim miller came in there then and did what jim miller does <laughs> you know got, went to uh, roosevelt roberts threw a kick the, the 17th president of the united states of america roosevelt roberts threw a kick landed landed on his back jim miller went got right down on top of him went to take uh, got into mount then roosevelt roberts uh, the 47th president of the united states of america turned over <laughs> And um, how many times are you gonna use that joke? Jim Miller uh, was it was it was kind of falling off, but the way the twenty seventh president of the United States of America, Roosevelt Roberts, moved, Jim Miller kind of caught his arm, and then was able to get the uh, was able to get the submission. Like arm bars are another thing that's kind of fallen out of MMA that we don't see that often. But uh, the old school Jim Miller brings it back a good. Yeah, I know what a man! Know. What a man! Yeah, what are your thoughts? He was just clinical. Like he was like. 
uh, fucking a fly stuck on shit, basically. Um, yeah, like this, like this fucking crazy that he's still going and still just producing um, in the UFC all these years later. Like his first fight was 2005. Mm. I was I was 15. Jesus Christ, awful, very <laughs> young. What age was I? I was 17, 16, 17. So yeah, Jeez, I didn't realize you're that old. What age are you? I'm uh, 30 years old Jeez, now. I didn't realize you're that old. As of, as, of la- as of last week. Oh yeah, happy birthday! I thought you were only yeah. a young fucking whippersnapper. Th- thanks for no- thanks for nothing. I I, I, <laughs> I give, us a, give us a free fucking Patreon uh, subscription, <laughs> would I, you? I can't. If I could give you one, I would. Absolutely. Patreon prick. or show But anyway, oh yeah, sign up Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash if you're my podcast. I'll give Andy a fiver if someone signs up. <laughs> 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 what about all the other months? <laughs> as long as they stay, as long as you stay signed up, I'll give any fiber. Um, right, this Bilal Mohammed Lyman good fight. Like, I'm gonna say something that probably most people will disagree with here, but I feel like Bilal Mohammed is a bit of a a bit of a Leon Edwards, where he's very good all around. I don't think he's as good as Leon Edwards, but there's a there's a few people like that in welterweight who are very, very good fighters, like Vicente Luque is a little bit like that as well. Neil Magny maybe a little bit like that. Where they have like they've good technique and they're good fighters and everything like that, but I just don't think they're going to get to the very top level unless they add something like that's I, I, you know, you said the word clinical there a minute ago, like something like that, like a like clinical jujitsu game which can finish people, or big knockout power which can finish people. Like I, I Maybe I'm wrong with Edwards, but for Bilal Muhammad, I'm not taking it. He like he won this fight, and he he definitely won it. Lyman Good won the third round, came out looked very good in the third, but Muhammad won the first two rounds. There's just something missing with him. I think. Are you saying the same thing, or am I being uh, am I being too critical of him? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't see him being a champion ever, but um, I think like there there are definitely methods to victory, and that are relatively not obvious, but like the there's ways to to beat Bilal Muhammad. Um, I think he's kind of, a bit like his teammate Paul Felder. Like, there's, like there are ways to beat him too. And yeah. like they'll always, like maybe he'll j- jump up and down between say the top five, top fifteen, maybe not even quite the top five. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think he's he's ever going to be uh, a world champion. Yeah, and the thing about it is well, like, like Felder. I mean, no, most people aren't though. To yeah. be fair, like it's it's fucking very 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 difficult to become a world champion. Yeah, the thing about like like Felder. Uh, I think he's getting the best out of what he can get. Like I, I don't, I didn't expect Felder ever to get into like the top five, and he has. Yeah. And I, I feel like Bella Muhammad's doing the exact same thing. Like and, always, in entertaining matchups as well. Yeah, definitely. And Lyman Good as well. I, I might, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I saw other people saying it on Twitter as well. They didn't mention the Rona once. Like Lyman Good got coronavirus. He survived. He gave away the antibodies. Not like this isn't something you hide away from. This isn't. Like this is a good news story, kind of. Yeah. You know, he got it and he survived it, and he's helped other people. Like I don't understand why they wouldn't mention that. It's just a classic UFC approach of just being like, no, just shut the fuck up and nobody talk about anything, and we'll just pretend it's not happening. Yeah, but they're like, it's it's idiotic. Like, cause there's enough. What was it? Six yeah. weeks ago, he had the the coronavirus. Or something like, there's an everyone out there knows. Like, if someone in a good, healthy, you know, position like him, who I think I I'm pretty sure he was asymptomatic, and and even if he wasn't, he got over it and he got the antibodies and he got he passed his test afterwards and all. Like this is this is a good news. Yeah, they story. can make like, it like a great promo out yeah. of it, like showing the the news in the previous weeks and getting pulled or whatever. And then uh, the the work that the UFC have done to improve their standards and their their health or their screenings and yeah. all this stuff, like and, just the, and they have, they have, they really have. You know, we mentioned last week's podcast. And I mentioned the Q and A and stuff. I think they've improved everything all around. The a guy's corner got it this week, and they pulled that fighter out. 
which uh, Matt Frivola, I think it was, which is brilliant. That's what something I was calling for. I, uh, the one problem I still have is putting someone like Justin James in on short notice when you don't have a couple of weeks to test him. I think that's the one area they fall down. But they're making people wear masks. They're they're um, they're testing everyone. They're you know they're keeping people apart and everything. I think they're doing very well now. I I really think they are doing very well. And you know we were critical of them for what they were doing before and what they were trying to do in California and and things like that. But um, yeah, I think they've they've definitely changed around. So I like. There's no, there's no need to hide away from that. Like, the UFC are very proud about um, being um, the, only, the, show the only show in town and all. But, like, they should be proud of being the only show in town and now doing it very well. Like, And I, I people aren't criticising them anymore, I don't think. I think everyone, like, I saw Luke Thomas coming out saying it this week that they're doing very good things. I said it in the podcast the last two or three weeks as well after we had been, you know, I had been very, very, very critical of them at the very start. Like, uh, So, like, yeah, I don't know. It it feels weird, like that they, they we're they deserve praise for this, and they just want to ignore it themselves. It's it's an odd one, but however, uh, Raquel Pennington did what Raquel Pennington does and beats beat Marion. No, I've never seen anyone as calm after fifty minutes of a fist fight as Raquel Pennington was after this fight. But uh, you know, she's right in the mix again. I suppose I th- I think she's won as many fights as anyone in that division, bar uh, Amanda Nunes, which is pretty fantastic you know she's always there thereabouts so fair play to her and in this majestic brilliant fight between josh emmett and shane burgos like em- i thought it was emmett and all round one exactly what i was kind of expecting that burgos would was walking into shots and he, he kind of was and but he was landing loads of those inside uh calf fucking chain. yeah unbelievable chain the second round there was less shots i think from emmett um and burgos i thought won that he was landing the better but in the third round uh emmett knocked him down uh twice but burgos came back he got a late uh or he got some big shots in late he took the back he was going to choke him towards the end of, i believe in the third round wasn't he was i think but i think he did enough just to take away the 10-8 it would have been a 10-8 only for like the last 90 seconds of uh, dominance for for shane burgos if they'd given a 10 it wouldn't be terrible but I, I don't think it mattered either way uh, i think it was two rounds to one to josh emmett but those two knockdowns in the third round just the, the unbelievable chin as you mentioned from shane burgos throughout it the, the fact that emmett kept taking those leg kicks and coming through it like that's fucking that that's what i was talking about earlier with the rikes of roshkov em, how many fights has emmett had now he's the ability to take that damage and take those leg kicks and come through it and still win that fight and the fact Burgos took all those shots and came through it as well that you get that with experience but this fight in general just brilliant wasn't it the deserving oh, fight actually, yeah cracking fight um i thought that josh emmett did very well i thought he um utilized his leg kicks quite well to set up kind of combos and and land those big overhands um on burgos but yeah jeez like and burgos looked massive in there like he looked much bigger than emmett um so yeah, big did, big win actually, for yeah. josh emmett and he's not none too plus with the uh the mma media who aren't uh Aren't giving him good interviews or something? Yeah. Did, did you did you pick him? I picked him. I said he'd win. <laughs> no, I said Burgos would KO. <laughs> For yourself and Graham, two frauds, like two fucking proper frauds. Uh, I saw I saw that Bur- uh, Bur- when Burgos fought uh, Calvin Cater in Boston. I was at it, so I had to oh, yeah. had to go for him. You know. Yeah. These Put on a war. But like, I feel like Josh Emmett. Like, you look at his record, and he was kind of saying that himself. He has. What is he? Sixteen and two now, which is an unbelievable record in the featherweight yeah. division for someone who's been fighting there since two thousand and sixteen. Has had what 
uh, nine fights in, in the UFC, like beating Michael Johnson, my boy Merced Bektik, uh, Ricardo Lamas, Felipe Andrade, Scott Holtzman, John Tuck. Like, there's some good names there he's beaten. Okay, he lost to Desmond Green by a split decision. He got knocked out by uh, by Jeremy Stevens, you know, the hardest hitting 145 pounder in the world. So, like, there's he's there thereabouts as well, Josh Emma, without a shadow of a doubt. I think he's there thereabouts. And in, look, it's a strong division and it's, it's coming back. You know, we talked about it. Uh, last week about Volkanovski fighting Max Holloway and is that the right decision but look Emmett's there ranked number 8 at the moment Frank Yeager's 7 so he's got on the way down to 135 and then you know there's the other lads in front of him are all fighting in the next while so Federer I think was was in a bit of a lull for a while but it's coming back now and um, I think Emmett is right there there thereabouts as well and Burgos is still there as well I think he's a very good fighter but uh, Josh Emmett put some respect on the name of Josh Emmett fucking MMA media shower of bastards pricks yeah. absolute Absolute pricks. dickheads the whole fucking lot of them especially Graham never liked him right uh, let's talk about the main event Curtis Bladies as Patrick once famously called him uh, against Alexander Volkov uh, mm. <laughs> Wasn't a great fight. Wasn't a great fight. Uh, I, do you know, before we get into this fight, how the fuck did Herb Dean go two and a half rounds without even warning Blades for inactivity? Like, I'm like, come fucking on. Stand him up. Like, I, I was there in my sitting room shouting, stand him up. Like, at fucking four o'clock. <laughs> Bisping was cheering for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Bisping was like, yeah, come on, Herb. Yeah, yeah, stand him up there. Come on. You yeah. tell him. <laughs> I, I don't. There wasn't one stand up in the whole fight, was there? Um, I think there was. I think was there was. Yeah, I can't remember which round, but. I think there was. That was um, the one that basically yeah, congratulated him on. The fifth, maybe, I think. Like, people need to realise, We, you know, people who listen to this podcast probably do realise because we fucking talk about it so often, but scoring in MMA is done by, like, effective grappling and striking. Just laying on someone is not effective uh, grappling. You have to be going for submissions. You have to be landing big strikes in that position. Like, And if you're not doing that, the fight absolutely should be stood up. Like, I was against that before. I, I was in the, the Joe Rogan uh, idiocracy, maybe, where it should be... Uh, it should be on the ground until someone is able to get back up. But, like, learning more about MMA and discussing it and the way MMA is scored and the way MMA is fought, it's an attacking, offensive, exciting sport. And MMA is about entertainment as well. And the the scoring criteria and the written rules reflect that. It's not just something we say or something that Dana White would want to do. That's that's just the facts of the matter. Uh, and, okay, if you, don't want, if you want to fight... Um, to nullify that and fight to nullify the attacks you can you know it's your prerogative to do that but it's also the, the it should be the prerogative of the referee to try try and uh, stop that from happening because that's in the rules as well but in activity they should be getting stood up but maybe we're getting away from it too much but look bl- blades in the first stand them all up stand, stand them all up, up. and the people like people were calling for 10 8 in this fight as well the first round relatively close but no I don't think it's a 10-8 at all like I was talking to uh, <laughs> a judge let's just say it that way there I don't know if they want me to mention it now. it could be Ken, anyone Ken uh, Bartledge I, I talked to lots of judges I actually have been talking to a couple of judges but it might, might be no it could be anyone but they're like it's rare that you'll get a 10-8 unless there is the damage if you just have dominance and you just have uh, the duration it's it's harder to get 10-8 now there is examples where you can get that but when you're just taking someone down and laying on top of them and everyone is looking at like come on Herb stand him up and he's not landing anything no he lands maybe 15 shots on the ground and none of them tough concussive blows or blows that cut you up or anything 
like that's no business being a 10 8 and that's in the rules as well you you look at you look at the the rules and uh the way the way they're written that's in them as well so like blades the first two rounds the first one maybe close the second round definitely not the third round he won it as well but uh, like it was 30 27 i think all across the board i think one judge gave a 10 8 in the in the first which i wouldn't agree with but the fourth and fifth in i thought well obviously the, the fifth volkov clearly won it i think uh blades landed absolutely nothing volkov landed a good few shots standing up and then landed 15 20 elbows maybe on on the bottom like that's enough to win the round 100 when someone's just lying on top of you and landing absolutely nothing the four was a little bit closer uh volkov threw that lazy kick immediately from the start um uh and blades landed on top but then they got up towards the end but volkov landed a few elbows as well on the ground uh and volkov landed a few shots on the feet when they got up as well i thought that was enough you know when when blades is not landing on the ground the effective striking of volkov was enough i think to win that round to win the fourth and fifth i thought this was a pretty straightforward 48 47 um i think it was two of the judges gave it three two one judge gave it four one which wasn't you know, it wasn't a mile away, but uh, yeah, look, I think on anyone's car, Blades win, but I saw people roaring last night, how is this not 5 nil? how is this not 50-45, and it's like, this is a great example of people really have not, having a clue about the the the, uh, the judging criteria, and not uh, even bother reading it, so yeah, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Any thoughts on the fight, no? Yeah, no, it was like it was very boring fight. Um, yeah, a pretty clear cut plays win. I mean, he, he, to be fair, like he, Dana White was criticizing him after the fact, being like, "Oh, he needs a he's a serious attitude problem. Needs to change things." But I mean, you put him in a five round fight, and he literally told everyone on Twitter, "He goes, if anyone's uh, tuning in to expect a, a war, stand up war, don't tune in because I'm just going to ragdoll him and just grapple him for uh, for five rounds." So uh, he didn't do it that effectively, or. or entertainingly but uh it was took him eight seconds to, to get that first take down so yeah. yeah he delivered on his word i guess to, to an extent i was uh i was actually going to give this a score of let me what, what do you think what would you give it if you were to score this fight out of 10 um what what are the criteria for one and two <laughs> so uh zero to one is worst fight ever one oh, to two yeah. terrible fight two to three bad fight three to four bad fight but with some skill four to five um, okay fight I'll give it a 1.45. I was actually, for some reason, I was like, I'll give it a 4.1 because it was an okay fight. But then you were talking there, and I was like, nah, it's not that good. Like, it, it's a bad, it's a, it was a, even a bad fight with some skill. There wasn't that much skill. Was, was it a bad fight or a terrible fight? I think it was, it wasn't a terrible fight. I'd say it was just a bad fight. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 2.6. I think that's a harsh score. That's the worst score I've given in a long time. But like, I think it's justified. It's just not a good fight at all. Like, just bad, yeah. like, ugh. like. I mean, when, the com- when the commentary team is getting excited by the fact that uh, Volkov finally uh, kind of fought the hands on the takedown attempt and, and freed himself, that uh, says a lot. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, right, let's talk about a little bit about next week's card. Then Dustin Poirier versus my my close person friend Dustin Poirier versus Daniel Hooker. I'm looking at this card on Wikipedia here. Maybe there's more, but there's only like fucking six fights here. What's the crack of that? Um, oh, there's more below. Okay. So we have that fight. Then we have Mike Perry, Mickey Gall. That should be fun. Jan Valente, Maurice Green, Luis Pena, Kama Worthy, Philip Linz, who fought there not too long ago against Tanner Bowser, Sean Woodson, Kyle Nelson. I like Sean Woodson. He's the, he's the big, long, tall guy, isn't he? I like him. Brendan Allen versus Kyle Dacus. Maria Borello versus Mianda Maverick. And other people whose names I don't know. Poirier versus Hooker. Like, 
me watching the thing about that fight, I just think Poirier is going to absolutely tool him up, just going to have too much power for him, and going to probably knock him out in the yeah. three or four rounds. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, Poirier's boxing is just far superior. Um, and like Hooker took a lot of damage that Edson Barbosa fight not too long ago, and I think that Poirier is a, a level above him, to be honest. Um, I think it'll be a knockout as well. Yeah. Like, Hooker is a very, very good fighter, and I think maybe I underrate him, and maybe some people overrate him a little bit it's hard to get a good a good look on hooker but yeah maybe if he can keep it more at range or something like that he might have a bit, bit of success um with his kicks or anything like that but um i think if he gets into boxing range then then Poirier has a distinct advantage yeah like you can't take away from him he, his last four wins paul felder ally quinta james vick and gilbert burns which are very very good wins in fairness uh but he lost to jason knight he lost to edson barboza lost to yair rodriguez and i know he came up away in the, in the middle of all that but um yeah, I, like, yeah. I think he's a very, very close fighter, decision but... against uh, Paul Felder as well. Yeah, it was. And yeah, Felder is nowhere near as good as Dustin Poirier, I don't think. So, um, and he's like, Poirier just more power. Like, Paul Felder is a guy who looks like he's powerful, but he's not really. And Dustin Poirier maybe is a guy who doesn't look like he's powerful, but really is. And he's better technique and just a beautiful boxer. As well. And I don't think there'll be a takedown uh, threat from Hooker. Maybe there will be, but I think Poirier will probably have more of a takedown threat. I think he's better on the ground as well. Poirier's jiu-jitsu, people kind of forget about it at times as well. Uh, and if he needs to go to that, I think it, it'll be there for him as well. But like, I just think in all areas, Poirier, like maybe Hooker will draw him into a war and he'll win it there. But I think that has kind of been dispelled with Poirier as well with those Gaethje fights and the uh, Eddie Alvarez fight back in a couple of years ago where he he came to him and did very well but yeah i, I just in every aspect of this game i just think dawson Poirier is way better now watch fucking dan hooker go out and win but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I what, do, what do you think of this mike perry uh mickey gall fight yeah it's like it's it's i feel like mike perry's gonna beat the shit out of him no like yeah, yeah it's, it's good to see mike perry finally get the respect of uh cm punk oh why what does cm punk say no, no, no! Just to, like he's at the he's at the CM Punk level now uh, of competition. Oh, yeah, but he, yeah. he finally gets to fight Mickey Gall. <laughs> yeah, I love. Do you know Mickey Gall was always saying about like his hands are really good before, and like I'm just looking at his record here: eight fights, zero wins by knockout, one loss by knockout, yeah. five submissions. Like, mm, okay. I think he started training with Joe Schilling and then thought that he was Joe Schilling. Yeah, that that tends to happen with people. Like Joe Schilling's not even that good, to be honest. So there you go. Oh, oh the, 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 foot, the foot boxing fans will be on to me now. Calm down, lads. Calm down. It's a big big statement there, Sean. Yeah, it is. Uh, right, there's a few more things to talk about. Joseph Duffy coming back. What do you think of that fight? I know you uh, wrote up a bit about him. What's I I, I don't even remember. What's his opponent's name? Joel something. Joel Alvarez. Any any use that lad? I don't remember him at all. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's he's pretty decent. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I've never seen him fight, so I'm just making this up. Um, I think he's seven and one. Let me just check. Yeah, Joel Alvarez topology. This is some professionalism right here. Yeah, folks. Well, um, like but yeah, no, good to see Joe back in action though. It's been a while. Was not or fifteen months or so since he last fought. Yeah. Um, but Joel Alvarez he's Spanish and he's really really tall. Uh, he comes in with a sixteen and two record. Beat, uh, he's one on one in the UFC, so it should be should be a bit of fun. He's uh, a lot of a lot of uh, first round finishes or first and second round finishes, um, so should be interesting. Joe really needs a win though. Like this is a must win from. Um, he's lost three in the bounce, so you'd assume that he's uh, he'd be getting his merchant orders if he loses this one. Yeah, it could, it could be like it's, I, and for Irish MMA, like with him and McGregor being the only two in the UFC, 
for you know it was a long time ago that he, he, Irish fighters were all over the US you know we Paddy Hoolan Neil Seary Paul Ribman Norman Parr Carl Pindred Ashling Daly Artem Laba McGregor so many of them like um, and now there's only the two and as you said there it could be down to one so like yeah. not not to be biased or anything but hopefully Joseph Duffy gets to win here yeah, I mean he's got a lot of like if you look I, I was wrong there I said three losses he's lost his last two but like if you look at those losses the first one was to James Vick he obviously got knocked out in the second round but he had a lot of success in that first round he was kind of yeah. Um, he definitely won that first round, and then just kind of, uh, I don't know if he fell apart or, or Vic kind of turned the switch and, uh, and got the knockout. And then Jacase, he was coming off a string of losses as well, and he really needed a win. And he, everything kind of finally clicked, um, and he got that that win over Duffy. So, I mean, lost two in a row, but like he could, there's definitely he's a lot to offer. And um, yeah, I wouldn't put too much into those losses, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, before we finish up there, Dana White announced a few cards coming up over the next while. So let me call out a few of the, the standout fights. So July, f- and these are all the Fight Island fights, obviously. Uh, July 15th, it's uh, Calvin Cater versus Dan I Kind of surprised a little bit that that was the main event. Like, uh, this, to me, when this was announced and everyone was like, oh, this is going to be unreal. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Do I love MMA as much as I used to? <laughs> I I didn't get as that excited about it. I was like, all right, it's just like two guys in the featherweight division who are both good. I think it'd be a great fight. Yeah, it's grand, but like, they're two like name, no name fighters in the featherweight division. Like, come on. Yeah, maybe maybe everyone was just trying to be a bit of a hipster, or maybe I just don't love MMA anymore. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it's a main event. I mean, yeah, yeah. Danny Gay. Yeah, I don't know. He's like, got a good relationship with the UFC and stuff like that. So yeah. his yeah, manager has a good relationship yeah. with the UFC. Um, yeah. Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz in the comment that was actually switched from the UFC two five one, I believe it is, isn't it? Card. Um, so I, I like I'm surprised with that because I thought. Um, Frank Yeager might be might be in line to step in for a title shot if Aldo didn't make weight so I'm surprised it's actually moved to that car but that should be a good fight as well um, yeah, more, more excited yeah. for the prelims of this car to be honest Modestus Bukaik is making his yeah. UFC debut that should be a good crack Molly McCann as well and John Phillips mm-hmm. yeah, a so few uh, good fighters of interest to us Maggot, Matt is a bag of spiders. Uh, Tim Elliott also on it. Yeah, I always love watching Molly McCann fight. Obviously, two Cage Warriors champions on the undercard there, so pretty good. Uh, yeah, and the next card then is Figueroa versus Benavidez. Interesting to see that match happening again, but that's you know a good fight. The first fight was a good fight, a good knockout, and interesting to see how much Benavidez has actually recovered from that and how he look against this. But you'd, you'd have to favor Figueroa going in again. Jack Romanson, Kelvin Gaslam, very good fight. You mentioned him a few minutes ago, Mark Casey, very, very good fighter. I always love watching Casey. Lip Ariane Lipsky, former KSW champion. Alexandra Pantoja is on this card as well. That's the one Joseph Duffy's on. Uh, Wales is on. Brett John is on this card as well. Davy Ramos, so very, very good card yeah, there. That, that Pantoja, Askar, Askar fight should be really good. Very good fight, yeah. Um, good. And then your man, uh, Armin uh, Saryukin, I think he had a very, very close decision. I actually think I scored it for him uh, over uh, what's Khabib's training partner's name. His name's um, escaping me right now. Robbery again. Is it judges? Oh, robbery, yeah, it was a hobbery. Well, no, it wasn't actually, but he's very close. So he looked very good. These things happening. Uh, and in the July 25th card, you have Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till uh, in a fight which just was happening in Dublin. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, Shogun Hua versus uh, Little Nog. You have Alex Oliveira, Peter Sabata, Verdum versus Gustafson. Hashtag MMA Retirements. Your boy Nicholas Dalby against Danny Roberts. Cage Warriors come in event there in, in this. Uh, Tom Aspinall fighting. Is that his? Is 
got his debut, Tom Aspinall, the heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, uh, the legendary Betch Cahier is on this. Mike Grundy's on this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing at? <laughs> Nathaniel uh, Wood versus Umar Umar Nurmagomedov what a fucking fight that is that's yeah. a seriously tough fight for uh, Nathaniel Wood coming off that loss to Dodson as well yeah it's yeah it's interesting to see what like the UFC in the last fight there was a lot of criticism for Joe Silva actually as well this week which maybe it's something we could we could get into but like I, I saw someone saying I think it was Alex Davis if that's if that's he's an MMA manager, he's like saying Joe Silva's job was to be kind of a dickhead like that, you know, which is all right. It's anyone's like, job yeah, to be a dickhead. That may be true, but he's yeah, still a dickhead. He's still a dickhead, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was there was a lot of those stories coming up. But he, like, I felt like Joe Silva and Graham always talked about that. Well. He was very good at um building guys back up if they did get a loss and not like immediately throwing them to the wolves and i feel like that's something we don't have anymore in mma you know i'm not and i'm not taking away from all the criticism 100 percent. but um yeah I, the, as you said with Nathaniel Wood, this is a tough matchup to put him into just after he lost and um you know if he loses again it's going to be even tougher to build him back up again so yeah it's I don't know. I, like, if I was doing it, I'd be more cautious in this sort of situation. But maybe he's him himself doesn't want to be cautious. Maybe it's hard to put fights together on Fight Island. But yeah, yeah I do think he's a, a, a striking advantage over Nomago though. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah kind of see how his, his takedown defense holds up, and yeah, see what he gets on. Indeed, indeed. Is it, is it Khabib's cousin? Is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know from Nomago Should all cousins? They're all related, them boys. They're like the fucking, they're like the O'Connells from Kerry. They're all fucking related, you know? Yeah. These things happen in MMA. Right, anything else to talk about, Andrew, before we go? No? Poor, poor old no. Aspen lad tore her ACL. She was out of her fight Did with, uh, yeah, with uh, Sarah McMahon. So. God bless. It's unfortunate. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you watch any of the soccer this weekend? Now? Uh, I saw five minutes of the Man United game oh, on too Saturday. Much. I, don't yeah, I saw the penalty, and that was about it. Who'd you support? Uh, I used to, well I don't really support anyone but I was, I was a United fan when I was growing up that's okay I was so. crying, crying my eyes out in front of the TV when we won the 99 treble oh, and then I'm giving a shit the next year probably beautiful <laughs> like uh, like all many United fans that's, uh, that's what happens yeah but yeah um, exactly I think that's it I think we've talked about everything Did we talk about um, the Robert Whitaker Till card yeah, what do you, yeah we did I think we did. What, oh what we just went through it right there yeah. yeah what do you think of that t- who do you think will win that Till uh, Whitaker fight uh, I'd probably say Whitaker to be honest um, yeah, I don't know. Like, which, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I mean, Whitaker's been very open with um, his just lack of motivation and stuff, and the kind of mental battles he's been going through, or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what Robert Whitaker comes in. Um, like, Till does have a style that kind of lends itself to to like, stylistically, he matches up relatively well with Whitaker, like similar to um, to Israel Adesanya. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but we've seen Till get kind of clipped and and hurt badly before so I don't, I don't know it, like it, I think it's going to be a great fight I think it'll be a, probably a stand-up war but yeah. um, I'd be interested to see if Whitaker uses his, his wrestling much uh, that's a good point yeah I, has Darren Till re- been in this sort of fight a middleweight I, like I don't think he has like he's we no. saw him uh, against Masvidal at, um, at 170 and obviously he was he struggled to take shots like that like at middleweight he thought okay he fought Kelvin Gastelum but Gaslam, Gaslam's a good stand-up fighter and things, but I don't think he's like 
I don't think he has exactly what Whitaker has in terms of pressure. Um, yeah, I could see this being similar to the Tyron Woodley fight, to be honest. Um, if yeah. like if if Whitaker comes in with an intelligent game plan, which I mean he probably will, um, I could see him using his wrestling and then kind of maybe getting a finish on the deck. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have to watch more of him before I give a give a yeah. definitive. Till did look till look look fantastic though against Gaslam at middleweight. So I don't know. Till Til is another one of those lads as well. It's hard to get a read on sometimes. Like I remember after the Woodley fight, everyone was saying, "Oh, he's finished." He's and after the Masvidal fight as well, that he's no more good. You know, he was given it too early, mm. and I was like, the, the fact he was given it too early, like, uh, was. And okay, like when I say too early, he was what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights into yeah. his career. Just stand in his favor then. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah, like that. He he needs more improvements, and he's to get on with his his fighting. Like, and to fight Kelvin Gastelum and beat him the way he did was very, very, uh, very impressive. Okay, it was a split decision, but I think most people think he won the fight. Um, but like, yeah, and he, like, he looked he, he looked great against Masvidal up until he got clipped. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's interesting. I I don't know. Off my head straight away, I got till, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. I look, it's a very good fight anyway, whichever way, whichever way it goes. But uh, yeah, right. That's it. If anyone has any questions after this, I'll be doing a Q and A. It'll be out on Tuesday morning as always on Patreon. So fire at, at severemetpod. Questions at severemet.com if you want to email. Follow me at Sean Sheehan Ba on Twitter. Follow Andrew at Andy S T E one two three. Lovely rhyming there. Shouts to everyone. Shouts to Mister Podge. Shouts to Thomas Delaney, Christopher Graham, all the boys. God bless you all, Sean Dinney, everyone the the top secret chat. Love you all. Oh yeah, if anyone wants um if anyone wants to sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. We're doing this uh this like it's it's a kind of a secret, we're doing this fantasy league. And a new one will be starting. When's it starting? Do you know, Andy? It'll be starting in Was it July? It was after the July cards, I think this I yeah. can't remember. So I'll be starting I'm, in... I'm terrible at fucking reading emails and stuff. I yeah, just me too. forget it. Yeah, so I'll be starting like a month's time. So there's gonna be you're go, there's so, we're kinda of planning something but so you're too much. You're doing really well in the league, aren't you, Sean? No, <laughs> <laughs> I always give my picks too early. The pod fraud. The pod I, fraud. I, I always give my picks too early. Who's who's winning the other league that we had between um, uh, the severe male ones? Me. And I don't know if you. Were, I don't think you're anymore. Actually, I'll find out the next yeah, pay yeah, per view. I'll find out the next time. But uh, yeah, so if anyone wants to join in on that, Patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. And if you're already signed up to Patreon, give me throw me a DM on uh, on Patreon. I'll add you into the group. I think there's only seven places left or something in that group so if you want to join sign up for patreon now and we will join you in and there will be uh it's kind of cool uh the boys thomas lenny and o'neill doing a great job of keeping it going so um yeah legends Fair pleasure. definitely all legends right thanks everyone for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week unless you change how you are you will always have what you got We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday.